This is the Championship Club Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Championship Clubs Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Hancock, and while we have no gully on today's review preview show, we are delighted to welcome back an our regular contributor. It's Ampdill skipper Charlie Beckett. Charlie, how are you? And good to see we're still speaking after that dramatic ending at the Monet a few weeks ago now. I'm not sure we are still speaking, Ross, to be honest, because I can deal with I can deal with losing last minute happens, but then the, the number of times I saw that bloody reel on Instagram of the final three minutes where you boys go steal our line out and go 60 metres to score to win in the 83rd minute, it came up on my Instagram and got sent to me a million times. People be like, would you call the same line out if you had the chance again? I was like, really? It's too soon, everyone, so leave me alone. Um, but no, it was good. It was a, it was a bloody tough game of rugby, that one. Yeah, it was a it was a cracking game, and um, and we had, we did have that chat on the pitch after the game, and and yeah, I think everybody was uh, full of respect for one another afterwards. In terms of uh, putting it everywhere, you could see afterwards. I just thought I'd take my inspiration from the uh, the Bedford Blues social media. We got tagged a few a few times after uh, we lost at home to them, so I just thought I'd uh, copy what they do. We'll take a look at round five and uh, head to round six in the championship shortly. But a lot has happened in the game, obviously, since the last time we spoke. I thought. Probably best to start by just getting your thoughts on on the impact that, that what's been happening could have on the championship and really where you stand with the, the proposed two leagues of 10 that we've heard so much about. I don't think, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday, I'm not sure a professional sport in my memory has been in as dire a situation, unfortunately, as professional rugby is in England at the moment. It's um, it's beyond worrying now, it's quite terrifying. Um the, the first thing you have to say is, obviously, we recorded the last podcast just after Worcester went under and now, now it's after Worcester. You, the first thing is you are so upset and sad and feel sorry for all the people, players, backroom staff, everyone who's lost their, who've lost their jobs at both clubs. I have friends at both clubs who are now looking for employment and it's hideously sad and in the short term is terrible. But I do think, unfortunately, this sort of drastic happening was needed for the powers to be to realise the reform that's needed in English English rugby and English men's rugby right now. And I think it's hideously sad for everyone at Wasps and Worcester. And I hope that they all get jobs and come out of it eventually in a good place. But I think this will be long-term the best thing that's happened to men's rugby in England for a long, long time because there has to be reform now. And like you say, we're hearing rumours of sort of a Prem 1 and Prem 2 with two leagues of 10 full-time teams with more funding from the uh, from the RFU, from PRL and that sort of stuff. And... I've said a lot. I think you only have to look over the pond of how to run two slash three full-time leagues. The, 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 the blueprint is there in France. I think we've just got to swallow our pride as the English a bit and be like, there are other ways to do this than we are. And we've got to work out the best way to save, to save the professional men's game. The country it's only going one way. Yeah, like you say there, it's that sort of, it, that shiny new sort of model that like it's so successful in France with the Prem 1, Prem 2. And, you know, some some championship clubs' eyes might light, light up at that. But I suppose the... The other side of that is is how does that affect some of the clubs in the championship that that may not want to go down that route and and what, where do you think the the championship I suppose if that's how it would look you know how it would sit underneath Prem Two I guess and a restructure of National One is the knock on effect is is far beyond the Premiership and the Championship even isn't it Oh it's huge because the the rumours you're hearing are they're going to go to professional leagues of ten so that's twenty teams currently in the top two flights of English rugby if you include Wasps and Worcester. There are 25 teams. There's 13 in the Prem and 12 in the Champions. So suddenly five teams are going to not be in the top two tiers for no fault of their own, apart from a restructure. So how it is done, the clubs that are involved, it's got to be done 
very carefully thought out long and hard and tried to be done in the fairest way possible. But unfortunately, with any sort of reform, with any sort of restructure, there will be clubs and people who get the bum end of the deal and will feel hard done by it. Now, I am not paid enough or in the right job to, to try and work out how you do it. That is for people way above my pay grade in different roles. But I, I just hope that at the end of it, English rugby and the men's game is in a lot better place than it is now. And there are plenty of contracts for players to play and earn a living and earn a good living because we know a lot in the champ, a lot of boys put a lot of work in, put their bodies on the line and hardly make ends meet them the month from rugby. And hopefully that will change, that there'll be two leagues where players can earn a full-time living that they're comfortable on. Well, we all look on with interest and obviously, you know, we, we look for some resolution soon. In terms of a as a product, uh, you know, in terms of the actual rugby itself, you look at the premiership with the, the high scoring games at the moment, it's, it's in the championship as well. And it's a great, it's a great product. So I guess we look back to round five and you talk about points there. I've got Doncaster 50, Bedford 19 is the, is the place to start. Obviously that was streamed free to air. So there's more eyes on the game, which is a, another a point of discussion. But I think that, I thought that one was going to be closer than it was. I think I know Doncaster were title contenders last year, but, Bedford, the wrong side of the scoreline and the referee's whistle on the day there. Yeah, that one surprised me massively when I saw that result just because I thought Bedford have looked very good this season. They, Bedford always score tries for fun, don't they? I said in the podcast last time, they they are the best for my, for my money, the best value for money to go and watch rugby in the country right now is go and watch Bedford Blues the way they play. I was surprised to see them lose so strongly, sorry, by such a large margin to a Doncaster side who I think are still finding their feet after they lost a lot of players, they were so successful last season, they lost a lot of players up premiership-wise and across to Italy and other leagues. I think that Doncaster side are still finding themselves and finding their feet as a new side this year. But maybe the pennies dropped with them, maybe things have started to click. And if so, that would be a very, very different Doncaster side we see for the rest of the season than we have the first four games because you look at the talent in that side, there's a lot of very good players. And if they've clicked, I wouldn't want to have to play them the next few weeks like we're having to next week. So... I'll be interested to see how they go this week if they continue with that sort of strong performance and maybe it's taken the first four weeks of that new side to gel. And another game, obviously, we were looking at as a potentially interesting one, both in terms of form and the players that we're going to take to the field was Hartbury and Nottingham. Nottingham starting the season pretty well. Uh, Hartbury perhaps looking at a, a difficult season ahead, but they drafted a couple of in. I think Jake Paledri and, uh, and George Barton from Gloucester played um, they were actually behind. Uh, I think they were trailing by a few scores towards the end of the game. But Hartbury's perhaps their Premiership class told in, in the end with a 39-31 win. I th- yeah, it was a real interesting game. That yeah, I think I think I'm right in saying that at half time or at 45 minutes they were 31-7 down Hartbury, which is just you don't really see a way back from that, do you? Then to come back for for Nottingham to only get one point out of that game when you're 31-7 up is is crazy. They didn't even get a losing bonus point, so. Huge fair play to Hartbury to have the uh, the fights come back the way they did. But you've got to be kicking yourselves in Nottingham. And I think Nottingham are a good side this year. I think this is the best Nottingham we've seen for a long time. I've been watching, they, they've played Coldy recently. So I've watched quite a bit of their stuff uh, this week. Because obviously I'm prepping for Coldy this weekend with my analysis. Nottingham look a good side this year. Like they've got a very dangerous back three. They've got a pack that's probably stronger than there has been for a few years now. And they're giving that back three a platform to go and score tries. So... I don't. I think Nottingham last year were one of the weaker sides in the league. I, I don't think we'll see them down the bottom end this year, or certainly from what we've seen so far, nothing suggests they'll be a bottom three side like they were last year. Talk about Coldy there. I know you like to wax lyrical about your uh, your local club there, but 
they uh, they were impressing everybody with their attendance figures. The biggest attendance in the championship of the weekend, I think close to 2,000. You know, really impressive showing from their support there. Um, and they took Jersey all the way, didn't they? 34-19 to the Reds. And I think Coldy were ahead at half-time, actually. Yeah, I think I saw they were 12-10 up at half-time, which is no mean feat against Jersey. Uh, again, I've watched a lot of that this week, uh, with that being their last week. So I think probably just Jersey's full-time S&C sort of stuff told in the second half. Coldy have got a very good attack. They play a nice brand of rugby. Um, and again, if you, you switch off for a moment against them, they're, they're comfortable to go from their own half and go and score. So they're a tough game. They're getting huge crowds. So, so far, the risk of keeping that squad together is massively paying off, I'd say. And with Elin as well, obviously, a, another another big win for them. 50 points uh, against Richmond, 56-19. They're up at, up at the Trailfinder Sports Ground. There's a bit of a theme developing, though, isn't there? It's almost as if they, are, they have got that bullseye on the chest and they are the big draw. And a lot of teams are getting themselves up for... The games with with Elin is almost sort of cup final mentality that you you talk about in cliche terms, but the teams are, are in it with them for for large spells of the game. But they've just got that that firepower and that just explosive attacking threat that they can just they can pull away from nowhere. And they they did that in the second half against Richmond. Yeah, it's really tough when you're the comfortably best team in the league. Most people would would argue, and you are the defending champions, and everyone gets a bit excited when it's Elin coming at the weekend. So. It is tough. Everyone does up their game. Everyone's intensity is upped a little bit. But yeah, as you say, that's part of being the best part of being the champions is you have to deal with that. And, and they have been consistently, like, for example, I think at 55 minutes when we played them, we were 12 all. And then you, you make one mistake, they score, they score again. And then um, Paul Turner, Tommy, our, our head coach, has a saying about Ealing. And Tommy has a lot of sayings. But this one I really, really think is so true. He says, Ealing score fast. He's like, you'll be in the game with Ealing. And they go, bam, 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 they score three tries and you're out of the game. And I think it's really, really true. They do so. You can't switch off for a moment with Ealing because they are just so good. They are so ruthless. But I think it's testament to the rest of the league of how well they're staying in games to the 50, 60 minute mark. And then testament to Ealing and everything they do that they're, they are pulling away so convincingly in pretty much all their games now in the last 20 minutes. And on to London Scottish, another team that we've been speaking about week in, week out on the pod and, and, and saying that a sort of a theme may develop that they will improve and, and they will make the most of this Harlequins partnership. Probably their best performance of the season against Cobb. They they did go down forty six thirty two at home there, but I believe again they were they were in control and, and ahead for large swathes of that game. And Cobb would have been sweating, I would imagine. I think they raced to something like nineteen five or twenty four five at one point. So yeah, it was it was a mental mental weekend for either late drama or big comebacks. There was a lot going on. Um, I, I said on the last episode, I think Scottish will just get better and better. I think there's a lot of moving parts there, and um, they've just got to hope they get better quick enough that if there's not too much work to do come the second half of the season but when they click and click well they'll be a tough side to beat but at the moment as I said last time they're not clicking really as much as they'd hope and hence uh, being on the on the wrong end of results and of course the final game of round five was uh, was us against yourselves there Pirates 15 Amdil 13 we've, we've touched on it a little bit but obviously the the full-time score probably doesn't tell the, the full reflection of that story it was a you know, we were first. We were the first to say that it was a, a, a fantastic performance by by yourselves, and we were perhaps a bit lucky to get away with it. We probably strung on most phases of the game together, and the, when the clock was in the red. Yeah, we we for seventy nine minutes. I thought had our best performance of the season. We were brilliant for seventy nine minutes, and then a little bit of a lack of composure to see the game out at the end. But also, we had enough opportunities in that second half. Like we had the wind with us second half, and we didn't score a point. Went in thirteen ten at half time. And the 79 minutes were still 13-10. So we, we can't look past ourselves and the fact that we had enough. I think we had 
your, your mall defence was outstanding all day. I think we had four, five-metre malls in that second half and didn't get one over. So we, we can't look past, we didn't do enough to finish the game between that 60 and 75-minute mark. We had the opportunities. And then if you give a good side like Pirates a sniff in the last five minutes, they're still in it. They're always going to believe and you boys stole the line out and then played three and a half minutes from your own 10-metre line, score a really, really excellent try in the corner. And, and win the game, so you can't say you didn't deserve to because you're stuck in it, but we, we were disappointed watching it back that we didn't put that game to bed and were more than one score ahead going into that last play. We, we had ample opportunity to to put that one to bed earlier, but hopefully we learn. And when I think we're down again in three weeks, aren't we, in the Cup? So I'm sure we'll have a proper good ding-dong again then. Yeah, I promise we won't put any uh, social media content if we score late that, after that game, Charlie. So apologies again for that. We'll, we'll stay in each other's good. Oh, Ross, Ross, I'd be disappointed <laughs> if you didn't. If you then bottled it because of that, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> Moving on to, to round six in this weekend, Championship Rugby back on the agenda for everyone this weekend. Starts off with another cracker on, on Friday night. It's Jer- Jersey and Donny over in the island. I believe that one's on a stream. Bit of a plug there for them. Um, but yeah, that's a, a cracking game, isn't it? Yeah, that'll be a really good game. I think we'll see how that Donny side, they're at from their big win last week playing against Jersey who are flying at the moment and Jersey just that pack is it, it's a very very good pack I've played at Jersey I know what it's like to play in a good Jersey pack but this one is a very good that scrum as you know from going there a few weeks ago is a huge weapon so I think if you can get parity there with Jersey I think you're in the game um, but a lot of sides aren't getting parity at scrum and that's taken away from them but historically Donny have always been a brilliant scrum so and that's a great game to have on a stream I think that would be a really really good game to watch hopefully hopefully a lot of eyes on that uh, on Friday night more Friday night lights at the uh, at Lady Bay Nottingham against Richmond uh, Nottingham we spoke about earlier on in the pod in much improved sides actually looked at their, their team news earlier on today and they, and they, they do have an impre- impressive lineup and the, you know some some names that you you do recognise there's some names coming in from from Leicester Tigers and I believe both uh, both Oliver Feller brothers are starting in the in the back three tomorrow night so they'll they'll be a massive threat won't they? Yeah, if you if you think the Oliver Fellers, um, I came through so I imagine I haven't seen anything but I imagine it's Dave Williams on the other wing so that yeah. whole that whole back three was in the Leicester Tigers academy with me. They're all brilliant. The Oliver Fellers are both electric so this huge huge threat in that three you have. Um, I know they've been using Javier Pohi. 12 a lot who again is another man I came to the academy at Leicester with he's a huge ball carrier so there's a lot of threats in that um, in that Nottingham bat line and they've got the younger Chesson brother playing who just looks like a carbon copy of his older brother doesn't he he looks like a handful in the second row they've got a good pack they've got some X-Facts in the bat line they're a, they're a good side that, uh, that Nottingham side and I think it'll be a tough night for Richmond going up there on Friday I, I think that'd be a, a good win for Nottingham and Moving on obviously to the Saturday fixtures Scottish, we spoke about earlier on, uh, trying to find their feet and, and sort of get somewhere with their performances and perhaps build to that first win. Uh, no disrespect to them. I'm not sure it's going to come this weekend. They're, they're, they're facing Ely and they're facing the pace setters at the top. Yeah, I think I think we, we all only see that one going one way, unfortunately. Uh, we'll move on, on to Bedford uh, hosting Hartbury, uh, going to road on Saturday. Uh, an interesting one, I think. If Hartbury, especially here, are you know they they've got a couple of those players available to them again, they they start getting used to playing with each other and in that system. I think you know it could make life difficult for Bedford all, and and all the same. Bedford are, are more than capable of cutting them or any other team in this league apart. So I, I expect a high high scoring affair there, don't you? Yeah, tries, 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 more tries, maybe a penalty here or there, but lots of tries uh, going to the road this week. And I imagine two teams who like to play rugby, like to score points, it'd be interesting. To, it's always interesting with Hartbury seeing their team sheet because you don't know how many uh, dual regalonies they're going to have in. Um, 
Bedford obviously had their link with Saints. It's always interesting seeing who's come from Saints the week. So there are always two teams I like to look at. But um, it will be very, very interesting how that game goes. I, I think at home with that big crowd, I think Bedford will have too much for them. But I think we'll see a lot of points. What would you be a 6-3 now? What summer, like the rain come in? And somehow it'd be like a 6-3. Give it the old Super Sunday build-up and a big big nil-nil draw with no shots on target. Exactly, exactly. We'll let, we'll let Gully uh, do some uh, some team talks for some other teams when he doesn't back people in his predictions later on in the week. And obviously that's something we'll both be looking to avoid as we round up the final two games of the weekend. You're back at home this weekend, mate, and you're, uh, you're taking on Coldy. That That's going to be a difficult one for you, I think. Yeah, mate, it's going to be a real hard game. Like, Coldy, I didn't realise as well, but the... Um, Anglin and Coldy have played each other a lot coming through the league. So Nat 2, Nat 1, this, there's a lot of history in this. They've played a lot against each other. So I think it'll be a tough one. I, I obviously hope and think that if we if we can play as well as we did for 79 minutes against you boys uh, last week, I think we hopefully will have too much for them. But they're not a team you can you can underestimate, not at all. Just finishing off with our game at, at Coventry and Butts Park on, on Saturday. Bit of uh, toing and froing on uh, on social media between the two teams. We spoke about that off air before the show we'll, we'll ignore that let's, let's get your thoughts on the game instead I think it'll be a good game I think I think you boys will have a bit much from I think especially um, up front I think that maul and scrum of the Pirates have, I think I think will be a little much for Coventry but we, we raced to a 19-0 lead there and ended up losing the game so again you, you never know what's going to happen. they've got a big crowd haven't they when they play at home it gets on top of you it, it, it's a great place to go and play rugby but a hard place to go and play but I think uh, I think a power but I think that might be one of the closest games of the weekend. But I, I think as well, what we're going to see now is, which maybe is more important than the champ than the prem sometimes because of the, the pitches and sometimes lack of full time grounds, etc. Is the weather's going to come in now and it's going to start affecting games massively. So less so obviously at Butts Park with the with the four uh, G pitch, but I think we're going to start to see the weather come in and be a be a big factor, a deciding factor in games moving forward. Just a final thought on Coventry, and I suppose just this this chat overall really obviously Coventry have, have picked up a couple of players uh, from from Worcester Will Chudley and Tom Dodd I believe could be involved this weekend and, and that's some real quality coming into to Coventry and the league what what, what do you think is going to happen in the next couple of weeks when you know by the time we next catch up and we, we look back at these fixtures and the results are we going to see some of these players coming into the league are we going to see you know teams benefiting from it perhaps I, I think you're absolutely going to have to because you look I'd be very surprised if no Wasp players end up with Coventry because just where they live, because not not all players are going to be able to up sticks and move. Can they move house? Can they can they afford to take that pay cut? What bills they have? They might have kids. They might have mortgages to pay. All these things. So I think we will see a lot of them in the league. I think most will sign one year deals. They'll also have to take huge pay cuts. And then I think we'll see a lot of prem players from Worcester and Wasps coming into the league. I think that's a good thing for the league. And I think again it shows what we said a lot in this podcast the huge importance of having a second tier that can support these players and, and is a viable option. And hopefully, hopefully, RFU are maybe starting to see that now. Well, we certainly look forward to seeing what the developments are in the next few weeks. It's moving at a pace all the time. Charlie, great to have you back on again, mate. And we're looking forward to, to making it more of a regular thing this season. Cheers, guys. Absolute pleasure. And hopefully I'll see you a few weeks, Ross. I'll be the one to be able to share tries on social media of winning games rather than you, mate. <laughs> we look forward to it, mate. We look forward to it. Uh, make sure you look out for an additional pod where we discuss in greater depth some of the issues surrounding the game, especially with all the trials and tribulations of Worcester and Wasps at the moment. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.